Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dives, touchdown, 49ers. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Zane Nakvi and Al Sacco with another episode of the No Huddle Podcast presented by 49ers Web Zone. And Al, we have two preseason games in the books and, you know, some good, some bad, a lot of penalties. Yeah, definitely some good and, and some bad, but, but a lot ugly and a lot very disjointed. And, and I'm starting to wonder um, if there's going to be some growing pains this season. And look, there's a lot of new faces on this team. It's a first-year head coach. They're going to be finding their ways on, on, on both sides of the ball. And, and maybe things are going to start off slow. Maybe things are, are going to start off a little bit ugly and a little bit disjointed because it certainly looked that way over the first two preseason games with the penalties, with the turnovers. You know, bad teams do things like that. And I'm not saying it's, it's, it's going to carry over to the season, but right now you can't feel totally positive with what you're seeing. Have there been good ind- individual performances? Yes, absolutely. But as a team, Things have looked pretty ugly, especially on special teams for anybody not named Victor Bolden. It, it, it's looked ugly. So I'm interested to talk to our guest today, Matt Barrows, and, and see what he thinks about it because you know he's there every day and, and he's in the press box and he covers his team so closely and he's really got a pulse on the 49ers. So I can't wait to hear what he has to say about it and we're going to bring him on right now. He's been covering the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee since 2003 and is back with us for a second time. And actually, he's the first guest we've ever had on twice. Welcome to the show, Matt Barrows. And Matt, we know you've had a very accomplished career, but where does ranking on our show, where does being on our show twice rank for you? Well, being a two-timer, that's got to be up there. I mean, maybe if I win a Pulitzer Prize some, somewhere down the line, that'll uh, bump you guys out. But right now, you're, uh, you're in the number one spot. <laughs> I was going to say, got to be top two or three, right? I mean, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> Top 10, for sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll take what we can get. Uh, Matt, wanted to start off uh, asking you about the first-team offense because I thought it had a really poor showing in Week 2, especially the running game. Are they just working out the kinks in the preseason right now, or is there something more here? Yeah, you know, they had a poor showing in the first game, too. I mean, they, they, did, they did nothing on their one or two drives that they had against the Chiefs. And, um, you know, it, it's something where Kyle Shanahan is not going to uh, put anything close to his regular season offense on display for the uh, you know 31 other teams, and um, you know I, I can tell you that watching them on that Wednesday practice before the game, it was a fully padded practice. You know they were going against Von Miller and you know the rest of the Denver starters, and uh, they played a lot better. I mean, and uh, you know uh, Shanahan had the full arsenal of his playbook at his disposal. It means all the misdirection stuff, all the bootlegs, all the play action, the things that he isn't showing in the game, he was using, and it was effective. So you have to keep that in mind. But, you know, the the fact that uh, these defensive linemen can just sort of burst through the line on these, uh, you know, wide zone runs like they did in in Kansas City and and like the Denver Broncos did um, is is concerning. I mean, these are the foundational plays for this offense. So if they can't get that uh, down in the preseason, that's, uh, th- that's, that's a bad sign for September 10 against the Carolina Panthers. And Matt, while the offense struggled 
CJ Beathard continues to play well. He's got three touchdown passes in 23 attempts, and he threw one uh, again against the Broncos last game to George Kittle. Has he really kind of sewn up the backup quarterback job? I don't know if he's sewn it up. I mean, there hasn't been any sort of announcement. Um, he's definitely been alternating with Matt Barkley, both in, in the games and in the practices. It's been very even, uh, and the coaches have been very cognizant of that. It'll be interesting. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to see practices this week because training camp is uh, officially over. Kyle Shanahan might keep this week of practices open, but one of the things that uh, will be interesting to see is whether that even-handedness is still going on. So uh, Bethard hasn't officially won it, but uh, he's played better in these two games than uh, Matt Barkley has, and they both uh, you know, had, had one chance with the third stringers and one chance with the second stringers. So uh, it's pretty even to this point, and, uh, and Bethard, as you noted, is uh, looking like the better quarterback. And in practice, are they kind of splitting reps with the second team, or is it one guy being favored one week and the other guy being favored the other week? It's uh, right down to a practice. Like the first time, let's say it's a Tuesday practice, and the first time the second team uh, takes the field, it might be Bethard. And then the next time the second team takes the field, it might be Barkley. And then on the Wednesday practice, the first guy in is Barkley, and the second guy in is, is Bethard. So, like I said, it's been, it's been very regimented and uh, very even to this point in training camp. Matt, one of the position groups that was so interesting to me coming in was the tight end group because it was so wide open. And we've seen a lot of Vance McDonald with the first team, but his roster spot is, is very much still up in the air. How do you see the tight end competition? How, how do you feel that it's played out so far, and where do you see it going? I feel like if uh, George Kittle had been healthy for all of training camp, and remember, I think he left on the third day with a hamstring injury, which. Uh, continue to bother him the following week. If he had been healthy throughout, I think there's no question that he would have been the, you know, the top choice, um, which is significant. I mean, this is a, a fifth-round draft pick, and he uh, would have already leapfrogged uh, the rest of the players on the roster. Uh, he's still up there, but uh, the, the hamstring injury definitely set him back a little bit. Um, you know, if I had to guess, uh, as to the three tight ends that make the roster, it would be Kittle. It would be Logan Paulson, and uh, it would be Vance McDonald. I'm, I'm not sure they're going to be able to trade him, um, you know, especially if teams feel like, hey, maybe we'll be able to get this guy uh, for nothing if the 49ers cut him. Uh, you know, the, the uh, contract extension that he signed last year uh, means that any team that trades for him is going to be basically uh, adopting, uh, inheriting that, uh, that, that contract. So... Um, that that might be too much for a team to do, plus give a, a draft pick to the 49ers, and the 49ers either might have to cut him or keep him on the roster. And, you know, to be honest, he's he's one of the, he's you know, maybe next to Kittle, he's the most talented guy on the roster when you're talking about size and speed. Uh, he's just lacked uh, consistency, and, and he hasn't been durable enough to make it through a 16-game season. So, um, you know, the, the 49ers could be in a worse spot than that, but uh, I think McDonald has played well enough to probably earn a roster spot, uh, you know, on September 2. So where does that leave a guy like Cole Hikatini comes in undrafted for free agent and uh, he's also fighting for a roster spot? Where does that leave a guy like him? No, he's been, he hasn't done anything wrong, but he's been consistently with the, uh, the third team group. 
And if you look at some of these other rookies, um, you know, Lorenzo Jerome was with the third team group initially. He's gotten some uh, help through uh, injuries, but, you know, he's, he's leapfrogged Don Jones. He's leapfrogged Vinny Sanceri. He's even really leapfrogged Jaquaski Tart, who was healthy for this last game, and, and he was starting. So I think if a rookie is, is good enough and, and shows enough, he can sort of rise up through the ranks. And Hikatini hasn't quite done that. To this point, and um, you know, I think he's he's got a, a bright future ahead of him. There's nothing wrong with him, uh, but uh, he's not uh, been playing with the second or the the first team group, and that signals to me that he's probably not going to uh, make the initial 53 man roster. And Matt, moving to the uh, defensive side of the ball, how's Ruben Foster's shoulder, and do you feel like the team is going to kind of consider shutting him down for the rest of the preseason just to keep him fresh? Yeah, to this point, uh, it's been quite the opposite. They're trying to give him as many reps as, as possible, um, and I think that'll continue this week, and he'll play the you know the full allotment of snaps on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings, and, and at that point, uh, he and probably the rest of the uh, would-be starters will get uh, shut down or at least toned down a little bit as far as reps and whatnot. Uh, but, but his shoulder's fine. I mean, the uh, shoulder injury that he suffered in uh, practice last week was not related to the uh, rotator cuff surgery that he had in February. So um, it was more just sort of a a run-of-the-mill linebacker-esque injury that all these guys suffer from time to time. In fact, the following day, Navarro Bowman had the same one. Uh, And uh, Bowman's quote was, you know, I've suffered a million of these things throughout my career. It's just something you, uh, you take a lot of blows to your shoulder and you deliver a lot of blows with your shoulder uh, that that AC joint sprain, stinger as it's called, is, is something that you're going to get. Yeah, and I think if there's one group, one position group that everybody is super excited about and that we know will perform is those middle linebackers. So, uh, how do you kind of see that middle linebacker depth chart shaking out with the the injury to Malcolm Smith? Yeah, I think it's going to be Navarro Bowman and Ruben Foster as the starters, with uh, Bowman at middle linebacker and Foster playing the uh, the will or the the weak side position. And then they'll have two backups, and uh, the backup at Will is going to be Ray Ray Armstrong, and uh, the backup at Mike is going to be Brock Coyle. And uh, you know, Coyle's one of these uh, special teams staples. Um, you know, Dakota Watson is another one that uh, they want to anchor their their coverage units. Um, and you know, the 49ers really haven't had a great special team since those uh, Blake Costanzo days back in 2011. So. Uh, I think the 49ers are trying to recapture that. The special teams units have been pretty bad. Uh, minus one 104-yard uh, uh, kick return. It's just been one penalty after another and a few uh, miscues as well. So that's an area that needs sharpening. But I think they've got the uh, the resources, the tools to be a pretty good uh, special teams unit this this year. Matt, Jimmy Ward looks like he's on his way back, but... He's been injured and he's definitely behind the eight ball not being on the field. And he's had injuries throughout his career. I mean, he's missed 13 games already in in his short career. Should fans be concerned about the back end of the defense or do they have enough of a safety net with Lorenzo Jerome playing as well as he is? Well, I mean, if you would ask me uh, if the fans should feel secure uh, with Ward about uh, two months ago, I would have said uh, absolutely not. I mean, he's been injury prone throughout his career and he couldn't even start training camp without a a hamstring strain that he suffered during the conditioning drill. But you're right. I mean, Lorenzo Jerome has just been 
um, you know, a, a gift from heaven for this team. Uh, undrafted, played at uh, a small school, St. Francis University. Nobody really knew about him going into the draft. Uh, and, um, you know, if you were to watch a practice or watch these last two games, uh, you would not know that, A, Jerome is a rookie, and, B, that he's an undrafted rookie. I mean, he's, he's looked like he fits, looks like he belongs. And uh, I thought his run support early in the Denver game was, uh, was very good, and that's, you know, that, that's maybe something he didn't do quite as well in college, but uh, he, he's been very uh, aggressive very physical in the practices, and that carried over into the game. And uh, he's got great ball skills. Uh, not very fast, or at least doesn't have good time speed, but his instincts are so good, and he does such a good job at reading the quarterback that uh, it sort of negates any sort of lack of high-end speed that uh, he might be missing. And I had a chance to actually catch up with him uh, during the open practice, and I asked him the same thing that we asked him when he was on our podcast about about kind of seeing the Bay Area and seeing what's around here. And, and his answer was the exact same, that he's really focused on the team. Do you kind of get that same sense of focus from him when you, when you hear him speak? Yeah, absolutely. He's, um, he's a serious guy. Um, I think he enters with a, a chip on his shoulder from, from not having been drafted. And I think that's, uh, that's great motivation for somebody who's talented. When you, when you have that talent and uh, you have a driving force behind it, like. I'm going to show everybody, you know, the mistake that they made. Uh, that's usually a good com- uh, combination. And I think he's a smart guy, too. Um, you know, at, at least, uh, you know, he understands that position very well. And uh, like I said, his instincts are just something that you can't really teach. So uh, if something were to happen to Ward during the season, uh, it, it's uh, the, the, the 49ers in a much better spot now than they were heading into the draft. So uh, a little while ago, you alluded to the the penalties that the special teams unit had, and the 49ers as a team through two games have 28 penalties. How much of this is kind of a concern to Kyle Shannon? Is he just you know sitting on the sideline just ripping his hair out when this happens, or is, or is this kind of just a bunch of guys playing together for the first time and this is going to happen? Well, that, that does happen on special teams because you're, you're always moving new guys in and out. And I, I have to think that some of these penalties, and the, and the Broncos had 11 the other night as well, are the uh, officials sort of you know, sending a signal during the preseason of, okay, we're going to call this, we're going to call that, and that they might ease off a bit when the regular season starts so that we're not having just these unwatchable games like these preseason games have been. Um, but you know, having said that, uh, the 49ers do make a lot of the same penalties in practice. Um, and, uh, I think part of it is, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh's teams were, were heavily penalized as well. Pete Carroll's teams are always at the top of the, uh, the heap when it comes to, uh, penalties. Uh, that, that comes with being an aggressive team. So if Kyle Shanahan wants his team to be aggressive and physical and Robert Sala wants the same with the defense, uh, offsides, uh, encroachment, uh, sort of physical penalties might be something that, we have to live with this season. It, it may come with the territory. In staying with Shanahan, there's a lot of excitement around him, and deservedly so. He deserves this job. He deserves this opportunity. He's, he's one of the best play callers in the league, if not the best. But he is a first-year head coach. Should we expect some bumps in the road this year just based on the fact that he's new with this? 
Yeah, he knew it this, and, and frankly, this team is in rebuilding mode. I mean, it's not uh, it's not nearly the caliber of team that, that Jim Harbaugh took over in 2011. Doesn't have as many veterans. Doesn't uh, you know have as many Pro Bowlers. Uh, the list goes on and on. And I think that you know everybody is, is writing this week about Eli Harold uh, versus Ahmad Brooks. Uh, when you're in rebuilding mode, like the 49ers are. And uh, you've got a six-year contract like uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan do. You're probably going to go with the younger guy uh, a lot of times. So uh, this is en- this is going to end up being a-, a young team. They might have you know three or four players in their thirties. You know Joe Staley, uh, Elvis Dumerville, maybe <laughs> the kicker, uh, and that's it. It's going to be a young squad. So uh, yeah, I-, I think when you have that combination. Uh, you're going to have to expect some bumps in the road. And Matt, you uh, wrote an article this past week about how the 49ers are, have put up a lot of the the old ring of the, the ring of honors up, and the Super Bowl championship numbers are up, and there are several different types of banners and things hanging around the stadium. And couple that with the open practice and the vibe there. Do you really feel like John Lynch and and Kyle Shanahan and Jaguar Prad Marate have kind of changed the culture of the team? Yeah, I don't know if you can say changed uh, past tense. I mean, I think that's something that they're uh, trying to do right now, and 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 really they've they've done made all the right steps uh, so far. I mean, just going back to overhauling the roster and you know identifying what I thought were the real weaknesses on this team. I think that this team lost a lot of tough guys over the years. Your your Justin Smith, your Patrick Willis's. Frank Gore's or Anquan Bolden's, and um, they hadn't replaced them. And uh, I think that Shanahan and, and Lynch recognized that. I think that this training camp was as you know rough and tumble as as any that I'd seen in a long time. And I think that um, you know embracing the past, like they have, you know, with with uh, Steve Young and Jerry Rice showing up for a practice and talking to the team, these are all the right things to do. And to their credit, uh, Shanahan and Lynch saw the, saw these things as uh, missing elements, things that they could remedy, and uh, they've taken the right steps to do exactly that. All right, Matt, before we let you go, we started a, a new segment since the last time you were on that we call our rapid-fire segment because we can't really think of anything better to call it. But um, what it basically does is just gives the fans a, a better idea of of who Matt Barrows is. So, you know, we, we read all your stuff, and we've been following you forever, but gives the fans a good idea of what, you know, some of your hobbies are, what you're into, and that sort of thing. So are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah, hit me. All right, here we go. Here we go. First thing, favorite movies, your go-to movies. When it's on the television, you're going to watch it till the end, no matter what part it's on. Oh, man, I got a couple. I mean, Shawshank Redemption. I always get suckered into watching all of Shawshank Redemption if I turn it on. But my favorite movie of all time is uh, Last of the Mohicans. Uh, Michael Mann is oh, my yeah. favorite director. Yeah. He doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, there's no uh, you know, extra scenes in his movies. It's all tight very uh, fast-paced, and there's a, a level of authenticity in his movies, too, that I really like. He did. He directed Heat, right, with uh, Robert he De Niro and Al Pacino? Yeah, movies. absolutely. That's, and then the, I the love Insider with, uh, with Al Pacino. Yeah, he's, he's really good, really good. What about some of your favorite TV shows that you like to binge watch? Um, Breaking Bad is probably yeah, my favorite show of all time. Yeah. I, I like how... Um, the the creator obviously thought through the entire show before they 
they set out. I <laughs> think these shows, they get going, and then they're like, oh, how are we going to end this thing? <laughs> um, so uh, I love that. I love the wire for, again, its authenticity. I just felt like uh, I was watching something that was genuine, that was real. Um, you know, The Sopranos. I loved uh, Seinfeld. That was probably my all-time favorite comedy. So those are a few. What about your favorite musical artist or group? Musical artist or group? Um, boy, uh, I don't want to say you too, but I mean, that's just sort of, uh, that, that's, that's the age that I am. I remember that was like the Can't first wrong there, concert though. that I, I went to. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, uh, you know, I like, I like a lot of music. I like Bruce Springsteen. I like Tom Petty. I like the Allman Brothers. Uh, so, um, you know, it, 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 it ranges a, uh, there's a full gamut of, uh, styles that I like. Sounds like a lot of classic rock, though. You're a big classic rock guy. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, I like a good lyric and a good guitar. I, I like people who play their own instruments, too. <laughs> what about your favorite team growing up? Did you have one team that you kind of live and died by when you grew up? Yeah, and uh, this is going to out me uh, among 49ers fans, but I grew up in the Washington, D.C. Mm. area, and uh, I was just an absolute diehard Redskins fan. And... Um, Daryl Green, when I was, oh boy, I must have been 10, moved in across the street from us. And Daryl Green was the greatest guy on the planet in that he would, you know, play with the kids all the time. He'd play basketball, get big games of football going in the, in the park nearby. Just a, a fantastic player and a, a great, uh, you know, uh, mentor guy in your neighborhood. He was just a, a great guy with kids. Now, I was, the next question I was going to ask is your favorite all-time athlete, but you may have already just answered that. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, Daryl Green. I liked uh, John Riggins, too, for his uh, outspoken, shall we say, uh, nature. Um, do you, do you, you guys are probably too young to remember this, but he once got drunk and told a uh, Supreme Court <laughs> justice to loosen up because she was too tight. <laughs> that, that's that's fantastic yeah he was a maniac from what i've read some things about him too and it seems like yeah he, he was pretty nuts so do you even and, and i know you're 49ers writer but you know do you ever do you still follow the redskins just because it was a boyhood team are you still paying attention to them keeping tabs on them only a little bit i mean um you know this job is so uh all consuming especially this time of year that um, you don't really have time to you know look around, see what the Cowboys are doing, see what the Eagles yeah. are doing, see what the Redskins are doing. So uh, I really don't. Uh, certainly not not any more than any other team uh, in the, in the NFC or NFL. All right, last one. Um, do you have one food that you can't live without? One food. I mean, uh, we were talking about this the other day. What if we were on death row and we got? Uh, a choice of one dessert to have, what what would you order? And I went with uh, the simple chocolate chip cookie. You, uh, you just put that thing in the uh, in the microwave for like 15 seconds, get it nice <laughs> and hot. I don't think there's anything better than a, a simple chocolate chip cookie. I like it. I like it. Nice and simple. Just, just a classic dessert. Absolutely. All right, Matt. Well, this was a blast. Thank you so much for the time today. Good luck this season. And hopefully we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks for having me on for a second time. <laughs> Maybe you'd be the first one to come on three times. Who knows? That's right. Got my fingers crossed. <laughs> thanks a lot, Matt. All right, talk to you guys soon. Bye.
Thanks again to Matt Barrows for the time. Always fun to have him on. And I do hope he can be our first person to have on the first person that we have on three times. I should say he's a lot of fun um, to have on the show. He's very knowledgeable. And again, really appreciate his time. But Zane wanted to review this game a little bit before we look forward to week three of the preseason, which is, which is a very important game, the week three game, but looking at the performance overall in, in week two, and, and I, I want to start off with the offense because, because I am sort of worried with what I'm seeing right now. And I thought, I thought that Brian Hoyer played pretty well. He was eight out of 11 and I know he had a couple turnovers. The fumble was a fluky thing. The ball just kind of flies out of his hand. He maybe was a little bit too amped up. He was gripping the ball a little bit too tight. In the interception, while it wasn't a perfect throw, it was certainly a catchable pass. And again, the ball just kind of bounces around and Denver ends up sort of gra- grabbing it off a good win. So that stuff happens. I thought Hoyer was okay. Definitely some room for improvement. What worries me the most about what I'm seeing from the first team offense is they cannot run the ball. At least it doesn't appear that way. Carlos Hyde has 10 carries for 24 yards. And you don't know, is it, is it the guard play? Is it Hyde? That's what scares me the most because the team is going to have to run the ball. If they have to rely on Brian Hoyer to win games, it's, it's not going to turn out well. Hoyer will have good games and bad games, but they need to run the ball. And right now you have to be a little bit concerned. Yeah, and and you kind of touched on it with Brian Hoyer, and he's what you see is kind of what you get. Uh, he's going to be like a par for the course sort of guy. He's going to have some some pretty good games and some stinkers in the middle, and he'll he's he's basically like an eight and eight type of quarterback. And the Forty ers know that, and that's not taking anything away from Brian Hoyer. I think he's I think he's a great um, solution for the time being, and I think he's a great uh, mentor for some of the young guys. But uh, given the supporting cast that he has and and the transition that the team is making from the old regime to the new one i think that he's kind of uh being put behind the eight ball a little bit prematurely because we also have to remember that like matt just said in our in our interview that the 49ers really aren't showing what they're going to show during the season this is a pretty vanilla game plan and i can speak to that myself because when they had the open practice these guys were slinging it around everywhere and brian hoyer looked fantastic that day granted it was against you know, as an empty, not an empty stadium, but it was against his own team whose tendencies he knows. But, you know, even then, like he was completing everything. So I'm not so much worried about him. I am worried about the running game because to start off that they were thin at the offensive line and, and the Jeremy Zuda trade a couple of weeks ago, that kind of took me off, uh, took me a little bit off guard because I expected him to probably start or at least compete for a spot. But given how thin they are at the offensive line, it's pretty surprising to me. You know, I know they have Tim Barnes. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you're right. Especially um, on the interior of that offensive line. When you're starting Zane Beatles and Brandon Fusco, you you can't feel that good about that on the interior. And I know Josh Garnett will be back, um, you know, probably you would figure a few weeks into the season, but we don't know what he is either. So the interior of that offensive line is a little bit scary right now. I do like Kilgore. I think he's an underrated player and and the tackles could, could obviously be very good with Staley. And if, if Trent Brown continues to develop, but Inside of the line is a little bit scary. And in the running game, the first uh, preseason game, 35 carries for the running backs, 188 yards, which is about a little bit over five yards a carry. This past game, 16 carries for 32 yards. And we didn't see Matt Breida in this game, and Joe Williams only had the one carry, and that was so Shanahan can see what some of these other guys had to offer. But it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all, and, and that's a little bit scary. But uh, one of the pluses for sure, we said there's been some good individual performances in, in C.J. Beathard's Zane. In two games, 14 out of 23, 61% completion, 211 yards, and three TDs. How excited should we be, should we be about Beathard? 
Well, I want to kind of take it back to uh, 2012, and um, there was when Kyle Shanahan was in was in uh, or Mike Shanahan was in Washington, and they drafted RG three. Now they drafted him with the with their top pick, and they gave a king's ransom to get him. And what did they do in the middle rounds? They drafted another quarterback, and his name was Kirk Cousins. And RG three was the starter, and he was the anointed one, and and whatever like he was he was getting all the attention and all the reps and all that stuff and he had his first chance to prove himself but what happened in the end in the end he couldn't stay on the field and they en- ended up giving the job to Kirk Cousins so there is something to the mid-round quarterback thing in a Kyle Shanahan offense i feel like i'm not saying that that CJ Beathard is going to be Kirk Cousins but i'm saying that he has a vision for him and he has a vision for how he's going to fit the scheme and that's exactly why he traded up to draft him and it, most of it comes from the fact that he, the CJ, played in a, a pro style offense um, at Iowa, and and he requires very little seasoning. I feel like now with the NFL, it's so hard to judge a quarterback. Like in Denver, you you look at Paxton Lynch, who's been given every single chance to win that job, and he's and Trevor Simeon somehow still is hanging on to that despite being just a game manager. So it, it's so hard to evaluate the quarterback position when you are dealing with a guy that doesn't come from a pro-style offense. So having C.J. Beathard play in that sort of offense is an advantage to him because there's going to be less less of a learning curve for him. And, and you can see, he's, in my opinion, he's already passed Matt Barkley. I think he's I keep, for the backup spot. I think he's he's proven that he's he's going to be better at that spot. Well, I agree 100%. He's, he's the number two quarterback. It's just a matter right now is if they want to keep Barkley around or not. And I think that they should because... Obviously, Beathard's a rookie and Hoyer has an injury history, but Beathard is for sure the number two QB. I mean, he would have to fall off a cliff not to win that number two job. And, and you were right when you said he's coming from that pro-style offense. He just looks so comfortable to me. And I, I know it's only preseason and he's going against vanilla defenses, but you can tell when guys look overwhelmed and when they look comfortable. And right now, he he, he looks like he's getting more and more acclimated to the, to the pro game, and that's because he came from that pro-style offense that he's able to do that quickly. So... Fans have to be encouraged what they've seen from Beathard. It's it's been two games now and a really good performance, and the arrows definitely pointed up there. The special teams we mentioned um, have been absolutely abysmal, um, with the exception of Victor Bolden. And I wanted I wanted to put out his stats to you. He's had seven kick returns in the two games for 247 yards and a touchdown, and that's um, 35.2 yards per kick return. And even without that 104 yard return, he's still averaging 23.8 yards per return which would have put him in the top i think seven or eight or at least definitely top 10 last season so they have a real player here and i think with bolden i've said this before i know we're talking about that six wide receiver i don't think it has anything to do with actually being a receiver who they're going to keep at that at that sixth position it's going to be special teams and right now bolden is far and away the best kick returner they have and i mean there's they're um with the ones right now has been mostert has been the guy who's been um quote unquote the number one kick returner but he's probably not gonna make the team i mean it would be an upset if he made the team because there's other running backs they need to keep so bolden's got a great shot to make this team as a kick returner yeah i agree and if you watch victor bolden return kicks the guy looks like he's just shot out of a cannon he has he has such great acceleration after he catches the ball and he's just and he's just gone and he hits the hole he's decisive and I think that's the biggest thing about a kick returner is that you have to be decisive you have you have to pick a spot and you go because if you hesitate uh, you know, holes will open and close really, really quickly. Above anything, I think he also has great vision. The speed thing is just a bonus, but there are guys who played in this league before that haven't had great speed, that have had great vision and, and have become good kick returners. So 
I, I think that you're right. I think that Victor Bolden will make the team based off of the special team merits because if you think about it, Al, the, the, the 49ers don't want their running backs returning kicks. They don't want them returning kicks. They don't want them returning punts because they're so heavily used mm-hmm. and in the Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan offense. So uh, if you look at Atlanta's offense last year, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, those guys never returned any kicks. Those guys were, were just running backs and that's it because they were so heavily used. So I think that that he will make the team and I think that he'll make the team as a, the number six wide receiver and man, the, the rest of the special teams, I mean, I, it's just, it's frustrating to watch like, uh, like, you know, we talked about with Matt that these games don't have any rhythm and, and there's constant penalties and things like that. But it also means that these guys are playing with an edge and, and I'll take that. If you look at Seattle, like Matt mentioned, Seattle has is one of the highest penalized teams every single year. And their whole thing is, is be physical until you get caught for it. So I'm not so worried about the special teams penalties. Um, if they kind of leak into the season, it's been a month in the season, and we still see special teams penalties, then I'm kind of going to be worried. But uh, at this point, I think, I think they're just kind of trying to see what group works out there and what, what, who they can put out there. Hope you're right. <laughs> I do. I definitely hope you're right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because cause I'm... Uh... I don't know, man. I think there's going to be some growing pains early on here. And I, listen, I'm not, I, I love Kyle Shanahan. I love him as a hire. I thought he was the best um, head coaching candidate out there. Huge Kyle Shanahan fan. And I think they're going to get this fixed. But I think early on, a lot of rookies are going to make this team. You, you could see a lot of mistakes. Um, but one rookie we talked about with Matt, and, and listen, you and I have been singing his praises forever. And, and we were so impressed with him when, when we talked to him as Lorenzo Jerome. And one of the highlights of this past game for me was the safety play. Eric Reed looked great. Eric Reed looks like he's he's really fitting into the strong safety position. And um Lorenzo Jerome as well um just looks comfortable. Again, he's a rookie and he's an undrafted rookie at that. And in two games into the season, and again, I know you're playing vanilla offenses, but he looks like a vet out there. I mean, he comes up on that first play of the defense and, and he makes a great tackle, kind of energize the team. He almost had an interception there. And I, I don't have a lot of faith in Jimmy Ward. I'm sorry. I know he's a very talented player, but he's always injured. Like we talked about with Matt, he has trouble staying on the field. And listen, we haven't even seen him play in this defense yet. We, he hasn't played safety in, in the NFL in three years. We don't know what he's going to be. So I, I, I do believe that Ward will start will be the starter to start the season if he can be healthy. But that doesn't mean he's going to stay there all season, especially if they have issues at cornerback. Maybe they move him back to corner and, and put Jerome at free safety because Jerome looks capable right now. He really does. Yeah, and it's interesting because what Trent Balky used to try to do by drafting so many safeties and defensive linemen and everything, he, he believed that if your defense is strong up the middle, then they'll be dominant. So if you had strong D tackles, a strong middle linebacking group, and strong safeties, you'll be, you'll be really good and dominant. And the 49ers have kind of stumbled upon a really dominant middle of their defense just by um, their last couple of drafts and, and some of these transactions that they made. You look at, you look at who's up front with Buckner and, and, um, and, and Armstead and Earl, Earl uh, Mitchell, and you have Foster and Bowman in the middle uh, with, the, with the linebackers, and then you have the, the safeties of Eric Reed. And I, I think it's going to be Lorenzo Jerome, honestly. And, and the reason why is because the 49ers are so they're, they're they're thin at safety but they're i feel like they're even thinner at corner and these guys they're just they're the corners are getting beat like crazy Richard Robinson took a took a penalty on an uncatchable ball 
during during the game and and i thought to myself like why are you why are you doing that you don't you don't even have to do that like just play play the ball play the play defense you play your man so they've really struggled so far this season i and i felt like richard Robinson, and i still do i feel like he's he's ready for the big stage and for the next step but i think what happens with jimmy ward honestly al is going to be what uh what the corners do you know if the corners don't perform then jimmy ward will probably end up starting at corner and you'll see lorenzo Jerome starting at safety and I think Robinson's going to be a really good player. I know you do too, but he's another one. Got to pump the brakes a little bit with this number one shutdown corner stuff because he is so young and there are going to be growing pains. And we've already seen that in the first two preseason games where he, he got beat um, by Hill and with um, the penalty you just mentioned, he's going to have plays like that this year. I, he may be a shutdown corner by the end of the season, but he definitely has to develop. And if he doesn't have a lot of help on the other side, that's going to make it even more difficult on him. And you have to hope that 49ers can get some kind of a pass rush if that's the case. And moving forward to next week's game, a couple things that I want to see is one, I want to see some rhythm out of this first team offense. They don't have to go up and go out there and light it up because I, I know they're not going to show too much and, and Shanahan's not going to scheme and things like that. But I at least want to see some rhythm, some rhythm out of the passing game. I at least want to see a few decent runs out of Carlos Hyde against the you know a team's first team defense and not just the second teamers when and that was the only time he really gained yards in this past week so really want to see some rhythm there and i just i want to see discipline the penalties got to stop the shooting themselves in the foot has to stop because if you don't stop that now that can carry over into the season i just don't think you could flip a switch and say okay it's the regular season we're going to stop making bonehead we're going to stop making bonehead plays now because that's all they've done in the first two games so discipline and um a little more rhythm from the passing game. But as far as the front seven, I have liked what I've seen. And I, I would like to see that continue with, um, they've been pretty stout against the run. The linebackers have looked good. So hopefully that'll continue. But those are the points for me for uh, week three of the preseason. Yeah, and what I want to see is I want to see improved corner play. These guys have got to cover better. And part of it is the the defensive line and, and linebackers getting pressure. But I feel like they, you know, they've had a couple of sacks in each game and, and, Aaron Lynch is all of a sudden resurgent and the, the defensive line, like, like Solomon Thomas in the first game against, against Kansas city was in the backfield all night. So I think that the defensive line is, is, is going to help the corners, but I, but they need, they need to be better on their own. They need to be better on an Island. They need to, they need to show better cover skills. They need to keep their hands off receivers when they're down the field, the ball's not catchable. Just, they just need to be better. Um, I also, I'm with you. I want to see more rhythm from the offense. I want to see something, I understand that Kyle Shanahan is keeping it vanilla, but at the same time, like I'd like to see some sort of continuity and some sort of rhythm um, with at least one sustaining drive to kind of get, get their feet wet and get their feet underneath them before the season starts. So I'm hoping to see that sort of thing. I'm hoping to see Carlos Hyde kind of break off a couple of big runs. Um, and, and I really am anxious to see Joe Williams and Matt Breida because these guys didn't play much in the last preseason game. But I think in these last two, you're going to see quite a bit of them because they know what they're getting out of Carlos Hyde. So I'm excited to see those guys too. And of course, I'm, I'm, I, I will always be excited to see Ruben Foster. So I'm, I'm super excited to see him um, running around the field as well, because it doesn't sound like they're going to shut him down. So um, I, there, there's, there's still, you know, there's, like you said, there's growing pains, but at least they have a plan in place. So Al, I mean, do you, do you feel like after these, first two games and, and seeing some of the mistakes that the, that the first team is making, do you feel like kind of like some of the luster has worn off from the off season? Yeah. And that reality is going to hit hard if, if it continues into the regular season 
and I think I was a little guilty of it too. There's so much excitement around what's building. Keyword there is building because this is still a ways away. And I, I found myself doing the same thing where I like this individual guy. I really like Shanahan as a play caller. I like what Robert Sala is doing on defense, but this is going to be a really young team. There's going to be a lot of rookies on this team. A lot of rookies are going to make this team. A, a lot of new faces are going to be on this team. And if the luster is wearing off, it's because it's, it's reality. They're building towards something. Yes, I absolutely believe that, but it's going to be a process. And if they win five, six games this year, especially with the way they've looked in the first two preseason games with penalties and turnovers and things, five, six games is probably where you would hope they would end up this season when you hope towards the end of the season that, that they're playing well and improving and tightening things up. Could they win seven or eight? Sure. They could surprise people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They have the talent there. But again, can these guys gel? Can they tighten things up? So has the luster worn off for me a little bit? Yeah, probably a little. Um, but I, I still love where they're headed, if that makes sense. Not as shiny, but but love where they're headed. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little dull. There's still some shine left in there, but it's uh, you know there's still a little bit of of luster there. But I'm with you, and and you know it's it's as a as as closely as we follow the team and and for the fans as well it's easy to kind of get caught up in, in the changes because it's better than what they had before, but that bar is kind of, it's kind of low. So yeah. they, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they're kind of clearing that a, a low standard, but you know, the, at least the fact that they have a plan in place and, and you can kind of see that the players on the roster fits, fit a certain scheme. And we have to remember that only half of the roster was flipped from last year. So there's a, still another half of the roster that has to go in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, in terms of them wanting to, to get some of these old regime guys out and their own guys in. So I really feel like it takes two seasons for a coach to really set up his own system, a head coach that is. And the reason why is because the first year you're kind of, you're kind of clearing out house from the old coach and the old GM and things like that. And you're trying to set the foundation for your own scheme. And in the second year, you've had like a full off season to get your guys in and, and your guys acclimated to the, to the system. So I really think that it's not going to be year one. Obviously it's not going to be year two and year three, the 49ers will be ready to compete. So until then, like Aaron Rodgers said, R E L A X. (laughs) Yeah. There's going to be some ugly Sundays. So yeah, definitely want to relax and, and just enjoy the build and don't expect too much too soon. Yep. Zane, before we shut this down, though, I, I did want to ask you, did, did you do any of this Eclipse stuff, the solar Eclipse? Were you into that? Did you check that out? Absolutely. We actually had a, a solar Eclipse party to, earlier today uh, at work where a bunch of people had those like $30 glasses or whatever they were. Of course, I didn't pay for them. Like I, I just borrowed somebody else's because we live in California when you're, you know, paying like a million dollars for like a shack. It's, you know, you don't want to yeah. be spending 30, <laughs> you don't spending $30 on, on yeah. the solar Eclipse glasses, right? So it was really cool, man. I mean, like I remember the last one um, that was this this prominent when I was in grade school as a kid, and I, I made a pinhole projector and everything, and I went out to the patio and I saw it. But you know, it's just really cool, man. I mean, like I, I'm I'm a sucker for these these nerdy science things, so uh, I, I enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, I didn't care. I didn't care at all. <laughs> I, I didn't even like my my wife was like, "Aren't you excited?" And I'm like, "No, I don't care." Didn't even. And I don't know. A lot of people were excited. You know, I had friends that were excited. Yeah, people that were excited. I didn't care. I don't know. And if there's anything that even has a one percent chance of like like making me blind, I'm not doing it. I'm just not. <laughs> I just don't care that much. So I'm glad people enjoyed it. I'm glad there were parties. It just wasn't my thing. I don't know. 
Maybe yeah, it's like, me. Maybe maybe I'm the weird one. I don't know. Everybody <laughs> else seems to really enjoy it. It wasn't wasn't my thing. So yeah, it's almost like when they told you not to look into the sun. It's almost like I kind of wanted to look into the sun even more just because they said not to, but I I didn't. But but um, you know, it's funny. I, I wonder if if it was like in the shape of a 49ers logo. If your wife told you it was in the shape of a 49ers logo, if you would have actually been interested. <laughs> yeah, no, the whole blind thing. No, yeah, it freaks me out. Yeah, not not even. <laughs> I want, I want, I want absolutely no part of it. No part yeah. of it. You, you could, you don't need to see, like you host a podcast. You don't need to see anything. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So yeah, just talk, right? right? Just, just talk, talk and listen. That's all you have to do. You don't really have to listen. You just have to talk, you know? Exactly. So, all good. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I'm glad that, that you were able to see it and that you could still see. So, and hopefully <laughs> uh, no, no one went blind from it today and everybody enjoyed it. So, but all right, Zane. So week three is coming up. It's going to be exciting. Um, Definitely check it out. And again, tweet at us during the games. We love talking to the fans back and forth during the games um, at LSACO49 at Zane49ers. And we will talk to everybody very soon. Thank you. Peace out.